0: Welcome. This is season three of the Daily Market, where we've decided to do something a little special. Earlier this year, startup junkie and marketplace master Ty Wolf-Jones, hey Ty, approached me and pitched us the idea of instead of interviewing founders and marketers, why don't we dive into the world of marketplaces, the VH1 behind the music of marketplaces, or what is the making of the sausage of a marketplace? Ty could bring the operations point of view, and I could bring the marketing point of view, and we could make some marketplace magic or maybe a little more like marketplace mayhem
1: so join us for the series where we've spoken to over a dozen marketplace leaders and pioneers from uber convoy bellhop doordash rover but also some rising stars and marketplaces from multiple countries venture capitalists and more you're not going to want to miss an episode it's interesting you use that phrase you know from the old YC days of do the things that don't scale but yeah. It's pretty evident like those things actually are the things that allow you to scale right yes. I mean it, it's such an interesting world like I think I think in the tech space it's you want to say that because you're not just always trying to build a tech solution to scale it out immediately without talking to users but at the end of the day you would have never found those value adds the, those little those little tricks, you wouldn't have built that trust if you weren't on the ground talking to these folks, um, um, showing them, you know, examples and listening to their issues, you know, their problems and solving them uh, in, real, in real terms. And just to kind of so fast forward, obviously, you've been there from the beginning. Yeah. Um, convoy is much more known name, and the tech space is in, in the trucking industry has 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 uh, launched. One of the things that's obviously popped up during the pandemic is this idea that we're all shipping stuff to ourselves, like we're all getting everything delivered these yeah. days. What's your world like a little bit today? How did how did the pandemic affect convoy, or how more appropriately, how is convoy helping the trucking industry or working with the trucking industry in its current state, um, based on the last you know eighteen? 18- months?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think the, not the easy answer, but kind of one thing that starting out as a tech company from day one and requiring carriers to use our app has really helped us do is I think we kind of set the gold standard for really truly having flexible capacity um, Interesting f- for these moments where the supply chain is either, you know, it's the supply chain is just facing a lot of issues. and. yeah. yeah. Out of whack, right? Like it's, it's imbalanced. It's, yeah, exactly. It's very imbalanced. Oh. And so, what, what? How does that translate to the market today? I mean, you see just massive demand. Um, mm-hmm. You see some of the the traditional players having a tough time, kind of getting that flex capacity, mm-hmm. uh, and be and we're able to leverage our technology uh, along with a lot of pricing algorithms. So, so things we do internally, mm-hmm. you know, to to flex to the needs of the supply chain at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, uh, truck prices are the highest they've ever been. Y- you know, when you have contract rates, for instance, that, that as a broker can be a scary time, um, mm-hmm. because you might be on the hook to, to leverage, you know, to service a load at 1500 that you thought maybe you were going to make a small margin on. And now it's a $2,000 load, gone. but wow. exactly the market's gone. You can even uh, be upside down on it. You can be upside down. And so wow. I think just being able, you know, I think at, at you know, our, our, our most recent number of monthly active carriers was something like 70,000. And, and if you think of the traditional model, which I mentioned before of, of a traditional broker who has these carrier salespeople on a large carrier sales floor, and and that model works. I mean, don't get me wrong, CH Robinson, Coyote, a lot of these companies, they're very large or successful companies, but it's, it is limited in the reach because each carrier salesperson can only service so many relationships. So if you wanted to get to 70,000, you'd have a sales floor of literally like thousands of reps, uh, which I don't think these companies are doing. And so that's just really helped us. You you know, in addition, over time, we've gotten smart about different ways to service shippers. Uh, So, you know, there's something called drop trailer, not to get too technical, but it's, you know, you, We think of trucking as you see a truck on the road. He has a big, he or she has a big van on the back of the power unit. They roll into a facility. They, they back in. A forklift comes and loads their, their van and then they leave. But there's also a whole other kind of, of shipping where you would actually um, drop off, say, 10 of those trailers at a shipper and they can just preload those things all day long. And it actually drives more efficiency in the actual warehouse. And so that's something that, that we've really honed in on and, and have tried to set again the gold standard for brokers, for digital freight brokers in our ability to leverage again, this, these 70,000 active carriers um, to go do more and more of this drop shipment work mm. where they can just bring their power unit in, pick up a preloaded trailer and get out. Mm. And why that's why that's interesting is, you know, generally only the large trucking companies or the can support drop shipments. Because they just have, you know, enough, they just have enough resources to have right. 10 trailers at any time sitting in a yard. Sure. For most of our carrier base, these one truck, two truck, three truck operations, you don't have enough to have 10 trailers sitting. So we've actually created our own trailer yards um, where these small trucking companies can come and use our trailers to move those. So wow. when I say flex capacity, it's not just all these carriers using our app, but it's other ways for them to pick up freight which shippers are just, you know, really need right now. So yeah. it's, 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 um you know, it was tough at first. I think when we had that initial run of goods, you know, when everyone was ordering toilet paper, if you remember back <laughs> yeah, in, <totally. laughs> um, you know, we, we actually saw like a, a pretty big spike. And then I think things yeah. come down a little. And then this year, like I said, truck prices have been an all time high and, and we've been able to, re- to respond quite nicely.
1: You know, it's interesting. You, you kind of bring up another theme we've had in talking to some of uh, these marketplaces. This idea of a marketplace being able to provide access to more people, right? To more and 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 what Convoy it sounds like has has been able to bring through its kind of tech and it's now like visibility into the market. It's able to bring access to these smaller carriers to this, you know. But it also created a bunch of efficiency in yes. the supply chain at the same time, um, which is really interesting. It's kind of a value add on on both sides. Um, and this is the benefit in my mind of being a marketplace, right? Like you're a tech marketplace at the hub, not a bunch of, not, not a hundred people in a sales room. And like you said, that may have the resources, drop their trailers and do this. You guys are seeing this inefficiency and providing this access that wouldn't have been there without your, uh, your visibility, your data, um, to be able to see that super, super interesting.
2: Um, yes. Yeah, I'll just say, I, I, I like to think of it personally as like democratizing freight. Wow, you know, that's cool. Wh- yeah. why sh- why should only the large trucking companies be able to do drop trailer shipments? Yeah, and you know the mom and who who might be who might really want that, right. um, is fully capable of doing it. They just don't have the resources. Let's let them get into that game.
1: Jumping back a little bit to the beginning, you know, one of the things we like to talk about, we always ask here in, in the marketplace world is the chicken and the egg problem. Yeah. And I got to be honest, I've always thought about, I, I have thought about Convoy a lot because I know I've seen the company with you being there and, and it being in Seattle grow. But I also know that it's in a humongous market, right? And so, and you guys were doing something so new and innovative uh, in, in those early days. Um, so you got new inside this, you got this new little drop in this side, this humongous pond. And I kind of wondered, you know, a, a lot about this idea of the chicken and the egg, like did you guys have to worry about that in the early days? You, you talked a little bit about your ratio that you were thinking about, but to me, there's just a crap load of shippers and there's a lot of trucks out there, you know? And so maybe that dynamic wasn't the same. Did you guys have to think about And if you did, like how did you guys think about supply and demand and what came first and how to, how to create this thing, build this thing?
2: Yes, certainly. Um, we, we did think about it, it just being the supply side person. I yeah. went out and, uh, I kind of was funny. It was like myself basically trying to get carriers. and a couple of people who are you know are our first salespeople right. uh, trying to get some shippers, and we we're just we we're all kind of like,' let's go out and just do this thing at the same time. yeah and and we'll see what happens. Now, I you know getting shippers is not easy. And you know you know you often need a track record or as a broker, you have to be in business for a certain period of time. Um, so that they don't think you're some like fly by night broker. Right. Um, oh, yeah. and you know, even though it, and it was funny, the number of times I told early, like trucking companies and early shippers, Hey, we raised $16 million. I promise we'll pay you. Like we have it in the <laughs> bank. <laughs> like we're good for it. I promise. Um, but, but besides that, you know, going out, we would get trucking companies to, to download the app and, you know, we might have a day early on where we had like five or 10 trucking companies do this, which, which would be a great win. Problem was if we didn't have any shipments coming in, uh, you know they were very soon thereafter gone, uh, and so wow. and so we actually learned pretty quickly that we were actually a demand led marketplace. Uh, yeah, trucking companies follow the shipments. They don't. Yeah. As I said, there's so many brokers out there and so many shippers offering them freight that they yeah. don't have a lot of time to just sit around, you know, in some app if it's not yeah. serving their business. Not need.
1: working. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I,
2: yeah, so we're demand led. Um, that that gentleman who I spoke of, who had the trucking background, he actually got us our, our first few shipments, uh, nice. very piecemeal, <laughs> and uh, and you know, like from there, we went out and got trucking companies to to move those those loads, yeah. and, and so we found that you know it was hard to keep these trucking companies very like as a captive audience if we didn't have freight coming in. Um, until years later, it became so easy to, you know, the onboarding flow was two minutes. You can do it all in the app that, that it was really, uh, it, it didn't require a lot of a trucking company to at least get into the convoy network. Whereas right. early, early on, you know, it was, it, we just didn't run a very smooth marketplace for the trucking side. So de- <laughs> definitely demand led. Um, okay. it, yeah, yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's super interesting. Another question I have just related to that, because we've talked about this with a, a number of people and and uh, obviously you and I did a bit of this at, at the Uber. Was there an opportunity to kind of subsidize that demand or one side of the marketplace over the other, like, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming on your side, it might've been more like discounts or, or deals on, on that side instead of like paying them or, or, or paying for, but could you pay the truckers or did, did you pay the truckers to to sit on the app or do things like that? I mean, I, I'm referencing some of our <laughs> old old tactics back in the day,
2: Yes. but yes. was
1: there a subsidizing mm-hmm. of, of one side or the other as you, as you saw it, saw the meat?
2: You know, with, with shippers, like yes, that's something you can do is offer them the best rate, and you know you probably have a better chance of, of winning the load. Uh, I think with carriers, you know, I think about like is convoy. Do we have healthy supply or is supply constrained? It, if you're not going to fail on a load and you don't have enough supply, you're probably going to pay that carrier what they want, and that that is an indirect way of you're probably subsidizing. Mm, yeah. uh, early days, we were paying far too much for loads that you know an established broker who might have 50 trucking companies who like that lane, a landing point A to point B, yep. might, might have a rate of X. We were probably paying 2X because that was our first load ever on that lane. We didn't have Got any it. supply who had serviced that before. So that was kind of how we subsidized. Um, we did have a really interesting kind of fortuitous thing that happened to us early on. And I may get the timing wrong a little bit here, but I, it was either after we announced a, a seed round of fundraising or our Series A. Um, but we got a call from um, Unilever, you know, a huge consumer package goods shipper. Oh and, yeah, yeah, I and, remember and, the the news. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and Unilever said essentially, "Hey, um, you know, we're we're very interested. We want to be on the forefront of working with a digital freight broker." Wow. Um, and so there, there are these two other companies in the market at the time. One was called Cargomatic and one was called Transfix. Um, and they said to us, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to do this pilot and we're essentially going to test out a few of these guys. Uh, we have Cargomatic, Transfix, and we want you guys to be a part of this. And I, I kind of remember at the time, I think we had done like a hundred loads, like lifetime or something like that. And, <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah. like, I, I, again, I maybe botch this a little bit but i think our ceo was like on the phone with them and you know it, and i think we we're all like oh my god like can we do this um but and, and you know we had only operated in seattle and this pilot was going to be down in texas you know oh, like wow. I, don't, I don't know how to get trucks in texas so just to say when we when we agreed to do that which i love the fact that we did um i believe i could be wrong but i do believe that as just kind of an emergency for those loads we did kind of buy some supply down there um, right, just to right. be just to be ready for us. But make sure you had it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and lo and behold, you know, we ended up operating at a really high level, out executing nice. the others, and we won nice. the big contract with Unilever, which really, uh, from the demand side, got us going. That was that was big for us. Um, we part of winning the deal is like doing some joint press, uh, which again, from a builds trust mm-hmm. perspective. Instead mm-hmm. of local and regional shippers knocking on our door, and now we had a large enterprise shipper. And from them, we had others coming and knocking on our door, which really got us moving.
1: Wow. Nice. Yeah.
2: So I think that was the only time that we uh, really bought supply. Uh, yeah, if, yeah, if yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. Matt, how would you get more customers, that being shippers, more Unilevers, or maybe smaller smaller brands?
2: Yeah, sure. So. Again, the Unilever—I'll call it the win—but but kind of, you know, doing the best at that pilot uh, helped us a lot. From a yeah, sure. uh, from the perspective of just other other large shippers of that nature, were are not scared to talk to us after that. Um, one small tidbit that I learned from our founder Dan was the investor network is important too. So he <laughs> would specifically look for some investors who had relationships with large shippers, where he thought you know. Instead of just to check, like these people could help us get in the door with some large shippers, executing really well, getting them to believe in your vision. You know, we we to this day we we provide load tracking, we provide insights um, mm-hmm. at a lot of their pickup and drop-off facilities that help them, you know, potentially run a more efficient uh, warehouse. I think FOMO was kind of another one because once you had a few of these big name shippers uh, who were who were kind of on the forefront of working with these tech-enabled brokers and, you know, adding them to their portfolio. Uh, other shippers didn't want to fall behind. You know, yeah, they, they yeah. thought there might be something there with these tech-enabled brokers. We don't want to be behind those who are already working with them. And then I think, um, you know, just, just similar like what I said before about um, working, you know, with trucking companies to really understand their pain points. Same thing on the shipper side. Let's like really understand the pain points. I mean, Um, there's a lot of things with the way the supply chain works today that, you know, it's, it's worked for a long time, but, but maybe I would, I would, uh, label it as like a house of cards being held together by sticky tape. (laughs) And, and and so like, I think, you know, we, from that again, the naive thing, not having a ton of freight experience when we started, we just viewed it as there's a lot of places for disruption here. Let's build their trust first. Let's execute really well and then once we're doing more and more of their freight now we can talk about some of these game changing shipper side solutions that we brought to market so i think kind of all of those things combined um, and then also just not forgetting one segment you know small shippers have needs you know your your midsize have needs and your enterprise have needs um, obviously you're going to get the most shipments from enterprise but like the other the other segments in this 800 billion dollar year industry are very large Let's make yeah. sure we build the tools for them as well.
0: And they could become rising stars that become bigger players later, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. Uh, w-
0: would there be any marketing, like paid marketing that be done to build more cu- more customers, to get more customers?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have a marketing arm. Man, you know, it's a little bit outside of my uh, purview or area of expertise, but I know that they're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't want to give away too many of the tricks of the trade.
0: That's okay. That's all, uh, yeah.
2: but 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 yes, um, marketing is a is a big piece of getting getting shipper interest for sure.
0: And I guess still, this would there be ever marketing to get both sides of that marketplace?
2: Yep, absolutely. So uh, you know, there's different ways to to get carriers interested, and you never know. I mean, there's so many carriers out there. You don't know what could be their particular pain point, and so you know, we like to think that our marketplace itself sells itself. But you know I've recently launched a couple of programs you know with with great teams at Convoy that are kind of in the fintech space, and uh, you know we might try some some marketing campaigns that feature those mm-hmm.
1: because 100%. who knows
2: maybe they're having an issue with their payments or uh, their fuel card, whatever it might be, and that's the way to actually draw them in. they start using those products and oh by the way, now they're stickier and they're interacting with our marketplace more yeah. so just finding Thanks. your wedge and and I'll say like you know, you know, again, on the shipper side, we find those wedges as well.
0: Yeah, th- this year was a tough year for, you mentioned the word supply constrained, and I know different marketplaces could have had a hard time in, in enabling and getting enough supply given everything is so out of whack with, I mean, think about a 1099 contractor and that can be applied to a a, a substitute teacher to an insurance agent. To, to a truck driver, right? The unemployment benefits that were offered the past 18 months are really good, right? They could be so compelling mm. that they're like, you know what, I, I'm, this is my sabbatical and I'm getting paid and I can spend time with my family and I can be safe, right? Um, yep. away, away from the virus. Uh, what's surprisingly challenging perhaps about acquiring shippers or, or carriers?
2: Well, I think, you know, I'll, I'll speak to the carrier side is – you kind of have to have a fit for every carrier, and so I, I think. And what I mean by that is, is if you're just talking the core marketplace, we have a, a you know thousands of shipments that we put through our marketplace. And if this trucking company doesn't find a shipment in there that he or she is interested in, then there are a lot of other options. There's other brokers, there's other dispatchers, etc. They can go to. So you you know it it, it almost Makes it difficult to be oversupplied, if you will, because because yeah. if if carriers are not finding work that they like, they're probably not hanging around and they're probably not too active. Uh, so you you have to start by having a lot of of freight that they like and they want to move. That's your first yeah. thing. Then I think like an extension of that is okay. What else can you do? Well, real quick. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I mean, carriers will get into a certain kind of load that they want to take. Like they want to take, yeah, plumbing supplies.
2: Yep. So, so a little bit about how carriers work is, is it, it could be commodity, but more often than not, it's, it's distance. Oh, so we think of carriers it, it. Yeah. as, as three different types. You have local and that's generally yeah. you're going to go to something 50 to a hundred miles. You're usually home that night. You have regional, yeah. which is got think Seattle down to LA. And so you're probably home once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, somebody might go down Seattle to LA, LA back up to Seattle. And they're home for the weekend, right. if you will. Right. And then you have what we call over the road truckers. Those are long haul truckers. That's somebody uh, who just, they're on the road all the time. That's Seattle to Florida, Florida okay. to, to Maine, Maine to California. I mean, they're going cross country. They ain't stopping. Um, and so having the, the right and, and, and within those regions, it's not just, I start out at my home base in, uh, say Nebraska and go a thousand miles anyway. It's I start in Nebraska and I only go west a thousand miles. Oh wow. Oh. And, and, and and so each carrier has their niche. Um you know, there are some carriers who who um, you know, kind of float around and we'll kind of just do whatever, but but predominantly these carriers know what they like to do, their sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. And and so therefore, you know, part of our onboarding process is is we do ask them like, where do you operate? What lanes do you like? So that we can, you know. Make sure that we have a signal of, hey, what kind of demand do we need to to keep this person engaged? Yeah. Um, so that's that's, and sorry if I didn't explain that earlier, but that's
1: no, no. It, it's just interesting. Like it, yeah. it, it talks to kind of the, the the challenge of the tech and the matching algorithm that you guys kind of kind of have to, you know. Yeah, you could show every. Sh- I'm sh- I'm assuming you could show every shipper shipment to every trucker but you probably have a lot better take rate when someone you show the right shipments to the right truckers more times than not. Right. Yeah. It, exactly.
2: And we have, we have a large team at convoy who thinks about that very problem every Love single it. day. Wow. It's, it's when I come into the app as a truck driver or, or trucking company, how does the very first load that I see the perfect load for me? Wow. Uh, and, and, and it's a tough problem. It's a tough one to create. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I give, I guess an example would be, um, you know, we might have, of a load from Seattle to Portland, and you know there might be a, a trucking company from Bellingham mm. who loves Seattle to Portland, but say they're going to charge five hundred bucks for it, um, because that includes th- their time and their fuel to get from Bellingham to Seattle to pick up. Mm. We have another say say trucking company B is located in uh Seattle or mm. you know Bellevue you know mm-hmm. cl- close by. Now their rate, if trucking company A was five hundred, there might be four hundred. Um, and so, you know, you just have these different scenarios of what really is that perfect load for a perfect trucking company. And that plays into how we price things. And, and, uh, it it is certainly, I'd say more complex, uh, than just Uber's local rider driver marketplace that has a set take rate, et cetera. It's, it's very different in the trucking world.
1: So this is something that, like Jacob, you and I got to th- like think about this extension of this idea of, of marketplace mayhem because, you know, I feel like there's some things like this around data science and, and predictive analytics and, and these things that market only marketplaces can really do um, and learn and, and these data sets that we haven't even got a chance to explore this um, in most of our conversations yet. But I think it's it's, it's ridiculously interesting. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, I have one last question that we have kind of started to talk to a lot of our marketplace, uh, professionals at, which is this idea of the flywheel, you know, the, yeah. you know, there, there are a couple different people out there have kind of pioneered this idea. Jeff Bezos has one of the, the most classic pictures out there. Um, but we talked about it a lot at Uber, right. And, and there's different types of uh, different ways of it. And some of our, some of our marketplace people have thought about it differently. Did Convoy... Did, did they figure out a flywheel? Is there a, is there a metric? Is there a KPI that when they can drive this correctly, it it drives that flywheel?
2: Yeah, we, we did figure out a flywheel. And I think it was our chief product officer uh, who maybe drew it on the back of a napkin, I think is like the, the convoy lore about how it came to be. Nice. And essentially, and I think, you know, you can find it on our website if if people are interested. But, you know, essentially it's saying as more shippers join the network, drivers will have better options which translates to fewer empty miles and fewer wasted hours. You know, going, yeah. going back to that same thing of the Bellingham driver or the Seattle driver mm-hmm. uh, for that Seattle load. So that allows the carriers to earn more per day because of the fewer empty miles and the fewer wasted hours. And so as more carriers join the network because they're earning more per day, well, guess what? Capacity increases, shippers start uh, to see lower, lower prices, higher quality. And then as it grows, uh, insights emerge as well from the data that helps shippers and carriers improve their businesses. So like carrier wow. scorecards, we, we can give carriers that to show that, hey, what's your on-time percentage? You, know, you probably didn't yeah. notice before, but you're on time 88% of the time, which is good, but we want to get that up to 99%. Wow. Interesting. For, for, a, shipper, for a shipper, hey, at this location, our trucking companies are waiting an average of three and a half hours to get loaded. And you're paying this much in detention pay at that facility, so they wow. might say, "Hey, we got to go look at our operation of that facility, get that down yeah. there too. So, it, so, those are the kind of insights that emerge from this growing marketplace. So that's that's kind of how the the the, the excuse me the flywheel works at Convoy.
1: Love it. I will just last thing. I just got to make this comment because, yeah. you know, being an ops guy, one of the hardest things to really prove out a lot of times, especially uh, in a marketplace, um, if you can figure out your 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 CAC to LTV or those types of things, where you're really, well, okay, we can make money doing this. One of the hardest things to prove out as an ops guy is efficiency. And, you know, listening to what you just told about that flywheel, that's all about efficiency. You're saving hours and moments and and whether it's the trucker's life and they get home sooner or they make more money in that day or it's the shippers not having to spend as much in detention fees or these types of things. Like Convoy's really been able to figure out all of these magic moments to like create efficiency in probably one of the most efficient parts of our our regular life, which is all this product's got to move around the world. And stuff happens right to it, and that's pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. It's pretty interesting.
2: Well, I, you know, on behalf of Convoy, thank you. And, and you know, <laughs> it's it, it's still very early innings, right? There's so many yeah, more things yeah. to to figure out, more efficiencies. You know, we're doing things called like batch loads, where we don't just offer a trucking company one load, but we offer them a string of loads um, because we think you know if they execute them and there's not too much wait time, it does create mass efficiency for them. And it's it's kind of the win-win-win where the shipper's price can go down, the trucking can take home more pay, and convoy can make a healthy margin on that freight as well. So that, that is the goal for sure. Take it. Yeah.
0: So Matt, just a couple couple things before we go. Sure. Every every guest we love to ask rapid mayhem questions. So All right. Ready to go. You're ready. All right. See so the first thing that comes to your head. What marketplace would Matt Kerman be?
2: Wow, Amazon only because I aspire to be the best, and I nice. think what Am- what Amazon has done is just, you know, as as we say in athletics, it's the goat, it's the greatest of all yeah. time. <laughs> uh, so I, I think it would be Amazon
0: for for sure. Okay, very good. Yeah. What's what's a marketplace you like that is not so popular or well known?
2: Um, not so popular as okay, or, or well known. Um you know, there's one, there's another local one called Dolly that uh, I actually think may have just been acquired. So congrats to Mike over there. But they're essentially, um, local marketplace for moving things like couches. So like oversized moving. Um, hmm. and traditionally, you know, you'd have to like contract that out, but here you get into an app. Um, you don't even need that much lead time. And I think I've moved like two different couches using their service and you know, you have friendly suppliers who roll up with their pickup truck or their sprinter van or whatever, and uh, they get out and they help you move the couch, and you're on your way. So, Love it. Dolly, and I, it originated in Seattle, and I think it probably is operations throughout most of the country. I think.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, I'm gonna. Am i using this week, and I I have a dishwasher. I gotta I gotta move. Yeah. Um,
2: there you go. <laughs>
0: what's What's your favorite marketplace that failed? <laughs>
2: that's a good one um I'm gonna go with a marketplace called Lux that I want to say was around I in 2015 it. 2016 I, I might be getting that wrong uh, what Lux would do for the listeners is they essentially offered valet parking on demand yeah so you know I would drive my car downtown to go to work and you know you're either parking at a garage that's 10 minutes away from from where your office is and you're running late uh, or or it was just like prohibitively expensive and so you could literally just set the pin um at your office roll up and there was somebody waiting there to just go go park your car you didn't have to worry about where it was parked they had security watch it and then at the end of the day you just press a button and said retrieve and they would bring it to you so it was pretty I sweet it. i never knew how the unit economics would work and i assumed that they <laughs> didn't work <laughs> uh, I asset. think that's exactly. I think we have the same problem. So, so thank you, Venture Capital, for funding my <laughs> pocket for a couple of years, but it was great while it lasted. <laughs>
0: yeah. would, the, would the Luxe Drive Valet be wearing a nice outfit or was it more in? Oh, form? yeah. 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 Of these tie. I, okay. I don't maybe think it, a, it is like sick blue
2: jackets. I mean, you can yeah, see them from a mile They'd be on yep. scooters,
0: you know. They'd be doing whatever it was, and they just hustling. they were always up. hustling, always, always hustling, hustling man. But I, like tap dancing in the free time, or, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they
1: just were always running. Like you just always saw, like as you were pulling up, they were like
0: running. Man, those guys they, are they were fit. They're, yeah, they are yeah.
2: like dead sprinting. Like you know, I would be, you could be walking to lunch. And you'd see some bl- guy in a blue jacket just sprinting by you. I mean, All us, it, yeah. these guys were noticeable nine to five. It, it was it was pretty great. <laughs> the,
0: the James Bond marketplace is just <laughs> running around, right? Uh, yes. Finally, what's a marketplace that doesn't exist yet, but it totally should?
2: Okay, I don't know if this one exists, but it should. And maybe if it does, you know, maybe you or a listener can let me know. Uh, but I would love a marketplace for one-off kind of on-demand personal assistant um oh. for like one-off tasks and yeah. you know I, i've seen some companies pop up in the in the space that are kind of sass so it's like like who oh man i saw one just the other day and i can't remember the name i apologize oh, oh, but.
0: Some, uh, hello alfred is one okay have you heard of that they're, they're actually local to seattle too and are they is it on demand it's I think it's scheduled. Like yeah. it's it's not as on demand as you'd like. Ty, do you know?
1: It feels like it's scheduled. Yeah. It feels like it's scheduled. It's like cleaning services and things like that, that you ah. can kind of schedule out. So I, I, I think, right.
2: sorry, it's, I didn't interrupt you there. I, no, no. I, I'd say like the one I had in mind was, you know, we all have these things where we have to schedule a doctor appointment or we have to yeah. call Xfinity to contest a bill and, you know, you're on hold for 40 minutes and, and it's, not a very pleasant customer experience and very skilled person to do these things, yep. but it takes a lot of time. Um, I, the ones I've seen, you can get a personal assistant, but it's a SaaS play. It's 10 K a month. You know, mm-hmm. for some people it's prohibitively expensive. Um, so I'd love to be able to just say like, Hey, I got this bill. I can't deal with it right now. I can go on this app and I can get somebody to do it for me for, you know, whatever it might be. And maybe this, maybe this, um, marketplace would have like a slick interface where, Based off of your salary and your equity, you can kind of figure out what your time is actually worth. So, nice. kind of your willingness to pay for these things. Yeah, um, yeah, But, but that would be awesome because I think we all probably hate doing those things that I mentioned. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it'd be great. So, I love if, it.
0: any any entrepreneurs out there, please build this. <laughs> okay, I I have a story about this one. Uh, I did a startup weekend, and it was an AI themed startup weekend about two or three years ago. And the idea we came up with was exactly this, and we called it Finn. And uh, it, it was, it, I, I don't know. Sure. I hear a
1: demand. I hear demand. I, I hear lots yeah. of people want this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A lot
0: of, yeah. And so I, I, I think it was AI power, though. It wasn't even a human being that would that would provide it. And we ended up pitching, and I think we got third. And someone walked up to us. We were on that high after you do that pitch. And they were like, hey, do you know there's already a personal AI powered assistant? And it's called FINN. And we were like, what? "No way!" They're like, "Yeah, take a look." And I don't know if it was some sort of like memento, subconscious <laughs> thing that happened that I like I had seen or someone had, and that's exactly what we called it. And I was like, "Damn!" Um, I still think it's a great idea. They done exactly like that. And then I, you know, now I'm realizing I'm more of a, a marketplace junkie than than Ty and I realized because, like. <laughs> Five, four or five years ago, I, I tried to do a startup around, uh, like Josephine, Ty, it was like oh, yeah. h- home delivered uh, home cooking to like your yeah. neighbors and you could like meet your neighbors in that way too. And then I was also involved in a startup called A Mentor, which was uh, connecting pro surfers to teach uh, surfing to to people on vacation oh, cool. and 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 all, all of those uh, flamed out beautifully, you know, and then I've gone to work at a couple, couple marketplaces that <laughs> yeah. that, that have worked. So um I guess long story short, uh, f- Finn, Finn should happen. Yeah.
2: I agree. Absolutely. We'll have to, we'll have to share some, uh some thoughts on that one. Also, yeah. the, Agreed. The one he, when you, when you talked about the local um, cooking, <clears throat> I think a company called Chef. Yeah. S-H-E-F exists. Oh, and yeah. I believe they're doing they just good. Raised a pretty big round from a, you know, a tier one investors. So I think they're, uh, they're
0: well on their way they're doing it they're doing i
1: i I just have to put a plug back in for josephine though like they're able to do it because of the work that josephine does i I know the founders of josephine and they i mean they had to change laws like it doesn't it's illegal in most you know counties in the united states to do that um the josephine guys pioneered some legislation Still struggled and didn't worry, able to do it, but they turned into a nonprofit. Oh. And their nonprofit is an advocacy group that basically is advocating for legal regulation changes throughout the country to allow people of all types to be able to uh, have either cottage businesses or be able to cook out of their kitchen and, and get it legalized so that they can do it. So, you know, Chef would not have existed without Joseph- well, Josephine. True. Yeah. Wow.
2: The the true pioneers. I think you yeah, asked me exactly. about pioneer. Like you, realize, like you realize,
1: like you realize, it doesn't always. You don't always succeed as the pioneer, and it's not always. But you still can make huge impact, right, in the world. So not, yeah. yeah. Back to your Obviously. idea in the beginning, you got to go bold. You just got to go do it, man. Got to yeah.
2: Got to go do it. If you want it, don't wait around for it to happen. Go do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like Fortune. It. Fever so, sword, bold. Yeah. Credit credit to all the entrepreneurs out there, and uh, you know maybe one day I'll I'll join those ranks. Love it.
0: Yeah. Matt, it's been so fun talking to you. Where can we find you? And do you have any asks for the audience? Sure. It's, this has been awesome.
2: Really appreciate the time, guys. Fun conversation. Uh, you can find me at Matthew Kerman on Twitter uh, or LinkedIn. I'm not too active on other social. You can also drop me a line at matt@convoy.com. At I'd love to chat. Uh, I guess I'd say one small ask is uh, I have started doing some angel investing. Uh, so if there's any interesting founders or companies out there listening, we'd love to hear. Uh, Obviously, my specialty is in marketplaces, but I uh, can connect people to other founders and operators as well. So anything interesting, send my way. Appreciate that.
0: Hell yeah, that's awesome. We haven't had that that ask of the audience yet. Uh Matt, thanks. Thanks again so much for coming on the show. This is this might be one of my one of my favorite conversations. So thank you. Absolutely.
2: Appreciate it. Thank you guys. A lot, lot of yeah. fun. And uh, you know, let's talk again soon. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Thanks. Bye, Matt. See you later. Right. Bye bye. Bye now. Ciao. What a phenomenal episode, huh, Ty? Yeah,
1: that was great. And we really hope that you got as much out of it, listening to it as we did making it. Thank you for listening to it.
0: Yes, I second that thank you. And don't forget you can like and subscribe if you wish. We'd rather hear of your thoughts. So tell us what you think of the episode and leave a review, please. Mayhem on, Ty.
1: Yeah, mayhem on, Jacob. <laughs>